Thank you, son. And you may be seated. He just blew everything out of me with that introduction. So I'm a little bit misput right now to even know what to say. But, you know, you, a mother will go through an entire life wondering if she did it right. <laughs> and so thank you, Landy, for confirming to me that maybe some of it was okay. <laughs> I appreciate that very, very much. I'm so happy today to have my mother here. Um, she's the only parent that Brother Ewing and I have left in this world, but she's a special one. I know that all of you are so happy to see Momo Ewing in her queue today. <laughs> love you mama we all love you and um, I, I thought while she is where she is right now and has been for quite a few weeks I thought well if anybody deserves visitors it would be this lady because I happen to know personally that she has gotten in that car to our horror um, many times when and made hospital calls by herself going through those long corridors in those hospitals when actually, in all truthfulness, she probably should have been the one in the bed. But she went to see about the saints of Eastwood because she loves you so very much. And I want to thank you for all the example that you've been to all of us, Mama. You've been such a shining example of prayer and consistency. And it's not like you have to guess, well, I wonder if, I wonder if Momo's coming tonight. Well, I wonder if she's in the hospital, maybe not. But if she can move, uh-huh, she will be here. So thank God for your life of consistency and love for this truth and for this church. Happy Mother's Day to all of you today. I just thank God for every one of you. And I want my opening statement to be this. Sometimes you can tell what something is by telling what it's not. And I want to tell you about a mother by telling you what it's not, first of all. A mother is not a woman or a girl who got pregnant and had a baby. That's not a mother. N O. No. If you don't believe it, just listen to the news. Just read all about it. There's been so many that gave birth and threw away. So that doesn't make a mother. So if you've never given birth to a baby, that doesn't mean that you can't still be a mother. You can definitely be a mother. Did you know that I have mothers in this congregation who are younger than I am 
who mother me. I'm their kid, and I'm old, and they're they're young, but I'm the I'm the I'm the baby, and they're the mama. I know that does kind of uh, it does kind of revert. You do kind of reverse roles, you know. I mean, we're now we're like boss and mama around, you know, like. We're the, we're the mom and she's the kid and we're telling her no, yes, no, yes. I mean, we do all those kind of things. But I'm talking about actual members of this church that have been a mother to me. And I'm not gonna name all of them. I'm just gonna name one of them because I feel like that when I just name this one, you will understand and you'll agree with me. Tammy Gillett is my mother. How you like that? She's the age of my son, but she's my mother. You know why? Because she makes me feel safe. And she makes me feel cared for. And she makes me feel loved. And she takes care of me. I mean, God knows where any of the Ewings would be without Tammy Jelly. We'd all be in a mess. As a matter of fact, this morning, she had access to a vehicle that Mama could actually get into. And she said, let me go get Momo. I want to go get Momo. And she always acts so excited about whatever she's going to do. So she goes, gets Momo dressed, gets her meds, gets her loaded up in the vehicle, and gets her here to church. And as so is Mama's custom, she don't want to come in on the flat ground here. She wants to climb, hello, the steps going into the office. Because that office is where she's going first. She's going to go there first. Well, she didn't want to walk up Mount Calvary out here going up that hill, so she comes up the steps. Well, they're trying to teach her to walk at rehab, so she's climbing steps at Eastwood, so we'll have to give that message to them, Tammy. <laughs> but thank you, Tammy. And then also, she's the mother to a whole bunch of kids that I don't even know how she remembers all the names. Sometimes she brings bus kids home with her. They, some of them spend the weekend with her. She feeds them. They jump up in the bed. They, there's been a whole street full of them that jumped up in the bed with her and Tommy when they were going to take a nap one Sunday afternoon. And one of them jumped in the middle of her and Tommy and looked around and rolled his eyes and he said, oh. I've always wanted to do this. He said, I always wondered what it felt like to lay in a bed between a mom and a daddy. Is that precious or what? <laughs> so thanks to all of you wonderful, caring people who call Eastwood your home. When people come to my home, they usually come to see the furniture, the floors, the curtains, if I had any, um, the pictures on the walls, just the little things about the place. And, but you know, nobody has ever come to my house and said, Joan, let's go outside. I'm not interested in any of this stuff in here. I want to go check out the slab. Nobody's ever told me that. Nobody's ever asked me for a tour around the house to see what part is showing of that gray 
dull, concrete foundation. And yet, of all the things that are in my house, that dark gray slab is the most important thing in my whole house. There's nothing as important as the foundation that my house is sitting on. And especially when the storms come. I wish that all of us knew that we're not building houses. We're building homes, mothers. And a home is, no offense to you dads, but a home is the mother, whoever that mother is in that house. She's the one that makes it a home. And what was so strange is, you know, I never knew that we were poor until I was grown. And I looked back and I thought, well, John, you lived in a one-bedroom house, silly. You weren't rich. I always thought we were rich. You know why? Because my mother made it look that way. Everything was so in place and so, so right and so this. And all of my friends just loved to come to my house. And my teenage friends called my mother Vita Fluff. That was a shampoo that we all liked back then. <laughs> it made our hair kind of fluffy, you know. So they called my mother Vita Fluff. And she'd just die laughing at them, you know how she was. It never dawned on me the real reason why we had lima beans every day, every day. I don't mean every other day or on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'm talking Monday through Sunday. We had lima beans every day. Sometimes we had them with cornbread. Sometimes we had them with rice. And Daddy and I would put ketchup on them on some days, and some days we'd put Tabasco sauce on them, but we had them every day. And I thought everybody all over America had lima beans every day. And I was just one of those rich families that got to join in with all of them. <laughs> Not meat, but beans. That's protein. Somebody told me that, probably Mother Tammy. And, and the thing about it was that I mean, like, I did not know that my house was that small. We had one bedroom. We kept all the evangelists. <laughs> I forgot where mom and daddy slept. I don't know where they slept. We had an attic up there that they eventually made some kind of a makeshift room for me when my brother was about to be born, and I had to get out of their bedroom. So... They put me in the attic, which that was great. I liked it. I loved it because it was out of sight. I didn't have to make up the bed every day because it was up there. Nobody was looking. You know how crazy teenagers are. And I brought, I brought six or seven people home with me to spend an entire holiday in my one-bedroom house. And, and I don't know, but my memory's not good enough to remember where they slept, but I don't think they sat up a week. They slept somewhere. <laughs> and somehow we managed, and we all had the biggest time. I remember at night, uh, Mother would make um, popcorn balls, only we didn't push them into balls. She just had a big white granite dish pan, and she'd get all that stuff mixed up in there, and then we'd just go grab a handful as much as we wanted to. 
and we'd just walk around and eat popcorn balls that weren't made into balls and just had the biggest time. Now, those are things that you remember about mother. So when you're thinking, they're remembering some other beautiful virtues that you have or how pretty your hair is or how nice and cool you always look. When you go to school to pick them up, you know what, they may not care. They probably just care what happens when they get home and how inviting it is when they walk in that safe haven that you have created for them and how happy they are to be there. There are a lot of times that parents do not have the means financially to keep up in a world that looks like it projects that you owe everybody so much, that you especially owe your kids so much. And maybe you're not financially able to keep up with that rat race. Well, it doesn't matter because not even the Bible promised happiness. That's nowhere in the Bible that he promised happiness. Now, he did promise joy, which is way beyond happiness because happiness is dependent on happenings and joy is an even, straight, constant line. It's just there. It promised you peace in the middle of all the yelling and screaming and jumping on the furniture and falling off the cabinet. And you know, I used to have this thing when I was little that I just wanted to jump all the time. I didn't ever grow out of it till I got married. He can tell you when I got married and I was way a grown girl when I got married, I would get up on a chair and I'd say, Merle, catch me and I'd jump. Of course now you have to understand that at these points in my life, I weighed 114. Not exactly same thing as red dress today, okay? <laughs> but I did have a thing when I was a kid. I would jump out of the car. Dad and I were really very close friends. And I would jump out of the car, jump up on the hood of the car, dear God forbid, and I wouldn't even give Daddy... No, no warning. I just say, Daddy, catch, and I jump. Never occurred to me that he would miss. Never. It never once occurred to me that when I flew off the hood of that car, that his arms would not be there to hold me close. I, that never crossed my mind. I would get on the cabinet, God forbid, and jump off of the cabinet. I jumped off tables. I jumped off of chairs. It was ridiculous. I should have been a kangaroo, a rabbit, a squirrel, or something. But that was my passion, was just jumping. And it's just the safety that you feel in your house. And if you have trouble keeping up with all these little name brand situations, let me tell you this. Let your kid go to bed at night wondering, I doubt seriously if I get those Nikes. I, I probably won't. I probably won't get them. I really wanted that Ralph Lauren shirt, but I guess I won't. Let them wonder about anything, but don't ever, ever, ever.
let him wonder about things like when it gets Wednesday afternoon. Wonder if Mama's going to church tonight. Don't let that ever cross your kid's mind. It's a given. It's settled. It's in stone. It's your foundation. And it never varies. Don't let them wonder for a second. I wonder if Mom will be in church tonight. I wonder if we're going to church Sunday. I wonder if Mom likes Brother Ewing. You reckon she likes him? I don't know if she does or not, because she said something the other day at the table. I don't know what she said, but I think it might be something about the building or something maybe that she don't like. I don't know. Don't put that in your child's head. Let them feel secure in the thing that's going to have to take them from here to there. Build confidence in the vehicle that will carry them from earth to heaven. Anything that you can find good and positive, say it about your church and your leadership. Say that to your kids because I remember one day a mother came in to my husband's office. This has been a long time ago. And she said, I'm sorry, Brother Ewing, I can't do anything with this kid. I'm just gonna have to turn her over to you and let you do whatever you can do. And I will never forget what he said. I was horrified because any kind of confrontation just totally blows me out of the water. I'm always scared to death of it. And he said, well, I would love so much to help you. But he said, I won't be able to. And I'm like, is this Merle Ewing say, I won't be able to do anything? He said, I won't be able to. He said, um, as far as she's concerned, I don't exist. And the mother said, what do you mean? You don't exist. You're the pastor. He said, yes, but you killed me years ago in her eyes. And I have no leverage. I don't have any influence in her life. You killed it. You'll have to raise her by yourself. I thought, oh my Lord, that needs to be put on a billboard somewhere. It was just the most, it was just a heartbreaking thing. It was heartbreaking to me. And I wasn't the one bringing the child in. And it was a teenager. But to her, he was just a man. He was just another man. What could he tell her? She was a boss of her life. Goodness, when you get to be 13 or 14 or 15 especially, if you can't run your own boat, man, you ain't worth your salt. That's the way kids think, you know. Well, I'm 15 years old. I ought to be able to do what I want to do. Well, that's great, but you can't. <laughs> but she had so chipped away at that influence. And it was like, she don't want to come to church with me. She says everybody there hates her, and they don't hate her, Brother Ewing. They love her, but I can't convince her of that. Too late, Mama. You destroyed it, chipping away a little bit at a time. This was wrong. This is wrong. 
that one's wrong. Oh, this one did this. This one did so. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? And all of these discussions around the lunch table, the dinner table, the supper table, the breakfast table, any table you're sitting at. And there you are trying to eat your beans and your rice and your ketchup and your Tabasco. But you're having to eat Eastwood and Ewing. And it don't taste good, but you got to eat it anyway because that's what's being served up at this meeting of the family. What do you expect a man to do when you have already destroyed him with those that you're hoping he can help you with later on when you run out and you're exhausted all of your resources? Just be very, very careful. God is expecting an awful lot out of all of us. But you know what's so fair about him? Is he knows our capabilities. And so, therefore, he doesn't ever ask anything that he don't think we can do. He only asks the things that are in possibility or even probability. But you can become so busy with the things that you feel really, really matter. You know what? <laughs> you know what I remember about my mom? In our family, it just so happened that my mother was the disciplinarian. God forbid when both of them are, but she happened to be in my family. So, you know, Daddy was my safe tower. you got to have a tower to run into, you know, so Daddy was my tower. Of course, he spanked me three times, and I don't remember how it felt. I just remember how it hurt. It hurt my heart. It hurt me. It hurt me more than all the daily, hello, I'm not exaggerating, spankings I got from Vitaly. And his three hurt more than all those trillions of days. But the thing I remember most about her is not that, and I do know that, I do remember this about her. She was always a lady, and she always dressed nicely. And when she went out in public, she was always somebody that I could be proud of. But that's not the thing that made her mother to me. It was that day when she made me so mad. Oh, Lord, she made me mad. And, you know, when you can't speak, what, is your, what recourse do you have? I mean, I would never have, like they say, sassed her. My Lord, she'd have still been chasing me to Elton. She'd have caught me, <laughs> she'd have caught me in Elton and put me in a jail somewhere. But I said it to myself, all the things that I wish she knew I was thinking. And I went out the back door, not slamming doors, no, 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 but just walked out the back door and I went and sat in my swing under the pecan tree. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, man, God gave me the meanest mom in the world. Lord, she's mean. And I thought about other mothers and you know, and other friends of mine, and I said, 
Irma's mama's not that mean. Helen's mama's not mean like that. They don't never get spankings. And I'm sitting there thinking all that. And she comes to the back porch in about 30 minutes. And she said, she said, B. Joe, come here a second. That was my nickname. And I ran in. And I smelled it when I got to the door. She had been baking these special cookies that she alone can make. And I've never had one since. When she quit making them, she quit. I didn't get them when I was grown. I just got them when I was a kid. But I remembered those cookies. And when I think of mother, I remember of that. And, and on my way, on my way from the swing to the back porch, here I am doing penance. God forgive me. God forgive me for saying mama was mean. God forgive me for saying mama was mean. God forgive me. Don't strike me dead. Don't strike me dead. Don't let lightning hit me. Because I feared God, unlike many people today. Got in there, got those cookies, forgave her of every unjust thing she had done to me. I forgave it immediately, just like that. I remember the popcorn balls. I remember the hugs. I remember taking me to music lessons, to recitals, making my friends welcome in my house. Those are the things I remember above how beautiful she looked when she walked out the door. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are some things that really do matter to your children. I want to salute today. I want to salute, first of all, I want to salute Kim Johnson for God trusting her with an extra challenge in life, in motherhood. And I think she handles it beautifully. I think she handles it beautifully. I want to congratulate you, Kim. You're so caring, and it's like that little boy's needs are so important, but Caitlin doesn't get left out either. She's the princess, and she she follows in her mama's footsteps, and she takes care of brother, too. So I want to thank Kim for that example. I also want to thank Sue Wilkes, Christy Whitaker, Jeanette Griffin, Shirley Rhymes, if she's here. I don't know if she's here. Bonnie Lopez. I want to thank you for taking a challenge that could have been another's challenge, maybe should have been. But I want to thank you so much for taking all of that to yourself and saying, this is mine, and loving it because it really is yours. It really is yours. I want to thank you women for that. And sometimes, you know, it's like even today on this Mother's Day, I'm wondering, okay, where would Julie and Katie and Kim even and Trace and Ryan and Lindsay, where would they be on this particular Mother's Day if those mothers in this church 
had not stepped up to the plate and said, give me the gift. I'll care for it. I'll take it to heaven. I'll love taking it to heaven for you. I think adoption is the most wonderful, beautiful thing that people do. I actually think that's the most beautiful thing that can actually happen to someone. And I was told recently that a child that is adopted has more rights in that family than the birth child does. We won't tell AJ that. But you can disinherit a birth child, but you cannot disinherit an adopted child. Well, you know what? What made me feel good about that was I knew that he came to his own and they received him not. And he said, I'm not going to do all this for nothing. Come here, Gentiles. I'll take you in. I'll adopt you. And that's me. That's me. That's me. So none of his beloved Jews will have more rights than I will have. I will have just the, well, I'll have just the same and more. And so that part of it made me very happy. And I just, uh, I want to thank the people in this church who have helped me raise my children. It's just very hard for a pastor's wife to see everything at one time. And, you know, I know that, I know I gave birth to angels, but I know that sometimes the angel wings got kind of flicked off there. Every once in a while, I know that. I remember one time Brenda was teaching Vani in the, what is three or four year old class, I don't know. And Betty Jo and Jackie, you'll get a kick out of this. And they were doing Noah's Ark. And she was asking for them to describe different animals that went in. You know, they had giraffes and zebras and all that stuff. Well, she came to the worm. Oh, I never even thought about a worm going in the heart, but I guess he did. And she said, who knows what a worm is? Well, Vonnie raises her hand. And Brenda said, what is it? She said, it's Brother Offacook. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So Brenda came straight and told me, you know, and I said, and Brenda said, I know why she said that, Sister Joan. She said, because every time Brother Offercook testifies, he says, I want to thank God for saving such a worm as I. <laughs> and so guess what I did? Guess what I did? I beat it to Sister Offercook. I mean, I was there pronto before anybody else told her that the pastor's daughter called her husband a worm. I beat it to her. I said, Sister Avika, you will never believe what an impact your husband's testimony had on my daughter. <laughs> well, which was true. That's where she got it from. She had no other way of knowing that. So Sister Avika, you know, she's like, ooh, you know how she do. I miss her so and she was so happy. She said, that's true. That's true. She said, you don't never know 
what you say is, is somebody's hearing. You don't know how they're hearing it. I said, oh, that's right. And I'll, so we both rejoiced over what could have been a catastrophe. But there were just, I mean, there were so many times that Warren and Tessie took Bonnie, well, Landy too, but Landy was a little bit older. And uh, they would, I've got a picture of Bonnie asleep, don't panic, but in their fireplace. <laughs> they had a cradle for their wood and um, it was summertime so thank the Lord there wasn't any wood or fire and she had a blanket in there in that wood cradle and Bonnie was taking a nap in that cradle in that fireplace and just so many times they just they just took her and actually we try not to let Marty know this but <clears throat> but before Marty was born, Warren was afraid. He said, I'm so scared. I'm not going to love this baby like I love Bonnie. And he was actually afraid. So see, that shows that adoption does. You can love something that's not really yours. And, <clears throat> and all the times that, that you saw them running or talking or, of course, we sat on this side, there were only two aisles over there. And we sat on the end of the far one, me, two kids, and Momo right behind us. I had very little to do, believe me. She was solid pecking on them heads. And I was scared she was gonna peck on mine. <laughs> one night we were having a New Year's Eve watch service, you know. And Bonnie was tormenting the fire out of me, and she kept saying, when is Daddy going to pass them out? And I said, and, and I always answered questions. I never had to know the answer. I just answered. I said, oh, it won't be long. And so she lays in my lap, and she's getting tired, and she, she said, Mama, it's getting late. When is Daddy going to pass them out? I said, in a little bit. It won't be long. And so we just kept on and going through the service, and she's, and Mama's back there, shh, shh, be quiet. And, but it didn't stop inquisitive. She wanted to know. Well, on the way home, she and Landy were sitting in the back seat, and she said, Mama, you said that Daddy was going to pass him out, and he never did. I said, pass out what, baby? She said, the watches. She said, I thought everybody in church was going to get a watch because Daddy said it was a watch night service. <laughs> so her brother, who is wiser and older, he kind of sits up on the back seat and he said, poor old goofy Bonnie. <laughs> he said, she doesn't even know it's wash night. <laughs> Because we were washing feet. <laughs> but we've had some wonderful times just going through life. And I want to thank the Lord God in heaven for all of his mercy and his goodness. 
because there's not one of us in this building that would be in this building if it had not been for him. So gracious, so merciful, and so kind. And I remember when my kids would get older, and I don't know if it was just that Landy slept sounder than Bonnie, I don't know. I could go into Landy's bedroom and pray, not, not loud, but, but just whisper. And I would go in his bedroom and hunker down and put my head kind of almost under the bed and pray for him. And sometimes I would just stay in the hallway of Bonnie's doorway and her door would be closed and I would kneel out there in the hall and I would just plead the blood over the little girl that was laying in that bed. Just plead the blood of Jesus over that little girl that he would protect her. And, and all I can say is that all of us walk roads. Some of us walk roads that maybe we wouldn't choose, but do you know what? When you elect for motherhood, you have elected to take a risky journey. If you think staying awake all night trying to get rid of the colic is a challenge, just wait until they're old enough to make their own decisions. And then, would you ever swap that for the colic? Oh, you better believe that you would a thousand times over but because God is good and because his word does not fail and he said just train them up like you want them to go and I'm thinking why didn't you put train them up like they should go and then have a nervous breakdown but he didn't he said train them up and when they're old they won't depart from it they won't depart They'll remember what's the real, if you were real. If you were genuine, they'll remember the genuine. They'll remember the real. And they'll make a circle and come back and hold it. And I can truthfully say that both of them, and I certainly know my son for sure, that this truth means a hundred times more to him now than it ever did when he was growing up in this church because he got put on a location where it was either this is real or that's real. And when you make a choice, you remember. And he remembered the solidity. He remembered all of the things that make this work. you for accepting both of my children into your love and into your hearts and just into your lives. I just think it's so beautiful. I know that a lot of preacher's kids have, they're way, way out, way yonder, not because they want to be out there. They just don't know if the people that hit their mom and dad so hard and 
hurt them so deeply. They just don't know if they can ever walk back in the house and commune with those same people again. But you've made it easy to come home. And I want to thank you for that. And I hope every one of you in this building today see all of your dreams for all of your children come true. I believe that you will because you have a promise. Hold and don't let it go. to move into our next phase of the service. The little old lady came to me in that conference that day. She said, son, I feel like I need to tell you a story that you'll be able to use somewhere for the sake of those who haven't heard it. The story was, she said, my boy was away from the Lord. And I knew that God had given me a promise for that child. And um, she said, I hadn't seen him in years. And I had found out through another friend of his that he was living with a girl out of wedlock. And it was about 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, the story was told to her, that the young boy bolted out of bed, sat up in a cold sweat. And the girlfriend laying by him automatically went into a panic and thought that he was having a heart attack or something was wrong with him and began to scream, what is wrong? What is wrong? And he couldn't hardly catch his breath and he continued to sweat, cold sweat in the middle of the night not knowing at first what was wrong with him, but then after a few moments realizing what it was. And she continued to press him, tell me, do I need to call an ambulance? What do I need to do? He said, everything's okay. He said, I know what's going on. He said, mama's praying again. She said, my boy now pastors a church. And there's places that I couldn't go to, but my prayers went past enemy lines. It went past barricaded fortresses that walls had been built and prayer went through it all. I want you to bow your head just for a moment. Lord, I'm speaking to you on behalf of mothers here today that maybe this is not such a sweet day for them because they've got children that's away from you. I pray for those mothers today. I ask that your hand begin to work on their behalf.
And Lord, right behind your throne, there's evidently a holding place that you have some bottled up tears that you said that you keep. Wherever those children are today, Lord, the prayers of these mothers that their prayers have made such an inroad to those children already. But Lord, let a quick work be done and take one of those bottles and pour it out wherever those children are today. I ask this on behalf of your kingdom and for your name's sake and for your promises that you said are yea and amen. Thank you for this moment. We say all this in Jesus' name. I love you more and more each day. You are beautiful to me. Because I love you, Lord, more and more each day. I love you more and more each day. You are beautiful to me.
what makes great children. If you want to know how to make sure that we turn out right, there's just one word, and it's love. True love. Because if coal can turn to diamond, and a grain of sand can turn into a pearl, if a worm can turn into a butterfly, then love can change the world. We have a special presentation for all the mommies today. Got a special quartet for you. Let's say it again. If coal can turn to diamond and a grain of sand can turn to pearl, if a worm can turn into a butterfly, then love can change the world. Look at how love is changing this world. Amen. I want you to give our kids a big hand. And thank you to Sister Taylor and to Sister Shelley Buller and to Brother Kevin Merriman for making this possible. Bye. 
couldn't get the Gaither Vocal Band, but we got the Gaither Junior Band. Did you enjoy it one more time? Before I turn it to uh, Brother Peter.